success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is the desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlek, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have the most amazing guest, Paulina. Paulina, thank you so much for being here today. Yay, I'm excited. You guys are going to love her. So give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and um, yeah, what projects you're working on right now. Oh, my God. I'm so many things. So I'm a <laughs> I... businesswoman and an investor during the day and a naughty showgirl and fetish model at night. Ooh. So tell us the back end story that I'm not sure where to go with at first, but how did you get into that? And like, how do you, how do you have those two lives <laughs> at the same time? Yeah, so, uh, when my business was early stage, it's 10 years old, old now, I was really, there was a period of time when I was really exhausted and I just felt, oh my God, there's no creative outlet for me here obviously you know you create a business that's fair enough but there is nothing that would allow me to be my wacky risque um exuberant self and that's when I, I remember there was a day when I was in London Piccadilly Circus and there's a club there called Cafe de Paris and I was walking past that place and they were having a rehearsal I think for a burlesque show for a big kind of cabaret extravaganza. And I just made a decision on the spot. I was going to find out how to become a showgirl. And so I did. <laughs> well, that is awesome. So Thank back you. up the bus a little bit, because I mean, I can see anybody, well, I can't see anybody, but I can see a lot of girls going through Piccadilly Square and going, oh my God, I'm gonna get my fame through being a burlesque girl. But you had an actual like real business going on. <laughs> like this, this was a real left turn. So what was the business that you had going on? and? What did you do in it at that time? Yeah, so I still have that business. It's called Grand Tree. It's a relatively serious business in financial services. It gets government funding for clients in the technology and science space. So we fund uh, research and development type projects. And when I took on Burlesque, it was maybe there were maybe just a few of us, just a handful four or five these days is over 50 so uh yeah it's turning into but that's still like that's a serious you know blue suit red tie boardroom (laughs) paperwork kind of a this is a not (laughs) yeah but i get what you're saying like it it just kind of cracks me up because it seems like a complete and totally left field like it's not just you know, hey, I'm cute. I'm pretty. I can get away with being a burlesque girl. Yes, I am super smart. I'm running numbers. I'm analyzing shit out there. <laughs> and I'm going to go out and be a burlesque girl. 
that is yeah yeah. it was a completely different part of my being and of my brain and I just decided I need an outlet for that part Uh, and it was just one of the most awesome adventures of my life like these days I don't perform much anymore but when I was training when I was going around clubs oh my god it just gave me such a boost of my morale and my confidence and my just um feeling like I'm really living my life you know oh that is fantastic so financier by day burlesque by night like that must have been exhausting few years to (laughs) to put in a 16 hour day plus (laughs) like what was your what was your lifestyle like at that point that seems so I had a bit of up to a point I had a bit of a kind of two side personality like a multiple personality I had this thing I did during the day and this thing I did on weekends and in the evenings and um, I really enjoyed it because it was all kind of shrouded in mystery and I really liked it Uh, but at some point and that was I think 2014 when I decided to do my TEDx talk on the two sides of my life and kind of bring them both together and I did it you know as a businesswoman dressed in like business gear with a projector um, projecting images of me in various states of you know in various undergarments (laughs) (laughs) if you could call those undergarments I don't know if most people wear those underclothes so I had uh, images of me being on stage as a burlesque girl behind me while I was presenting here as a businesswoman and I was like you don't tell anybody about what I do in the evening because that will drive my career into the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> so was that really the first time you had come come out or uh, like did your yeah. staff know that you were doing this or? Uh, some of them knew I think those that I was closer with but not many people and particularly I remember being slightly terrified that my clients might find out or something like that but when I actually came out with it it was it was an awesome feeling. That is fantastic. Like even you weren't worried that your your clients or your staff are gonna show up on a Saturday night and hey, that's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to be, and but then that's when at, at some point I thought, you know, if they do show up, then great. I hope they enjoy it. <laughs> that's awesome. That is fantastic. I know on the creative side, like I don't know. Um, because I run a creative side of the business, it to me it's like, well, yeah. If somebody saw me and doing a burlesque show, it'd be, well, yeah. <laughs> Have you met Michelle? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's my ass. I'm your boss, and that's my ass. Yeah, that's my naked ass. <laughs> exactly. Take the leader. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So now you've clearly embraced all of that creativity. How have you found that 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 dark if you want to put it that way I wouldn't call it a dark it's the evening side of you and the day side of you collaborates and uh I can only assume it's made a huge impact on your business and and how that's yeah absolutely so it's really once you've shown your naked ass to a crowd of cheering people who are like (laughs) seriously gagging for it there is just not much that you'll be intimidated by in business so it definitely boosts your confidence it teaches you the art of standing out and being proud of it it really um, 
by going to vulnerable places in terms of just undressing on stage and being totally exposed you just gain a completely new kind of confidence and it's it's beautiful and it shines in all areas of your life nice uh, highly recommended by the way <laughs> so uh, since then you know so in business what kind of um you know what difference did it make what what were your actual results what was your roi on that if you want to put it that way i haven't measured the roi to be honest <laughs> however um i've changed I've really changed, particularly since I decided that, you know what, um, screw it. It's fine for me to have different personalities and it's fine for me to have different sides of myself. And it's fine that, you know, my artistic slash, slash sexual life is abundant and blossoming. And if, if people don't like it, then it's not my problem, it's their problem. Since then, um, I've been just so much more open and audacious in my business and in how I kind of deal with business problems and business decisions. That it's yeah. been awesome. Well, clearly you said you've gone from six employees to 50 employees now. And I yeah. know that your business is through the roof. So uh, you. you had mentioned it on the Bad Girls show, but what is your, um, like how much money are you guys putting through? So we have raised over 200 million uh, sterling worth of government funding for our clients. So are and sterling's we, the same as pounds? Yes. Okay. Pound sterling, so that's it. Yeah. 200 million pounds. Yeah. Well, that's not our, our turnover is around 5 million pounds at the moment, but we have raised over 200 million for our clients. Yeah. That is fantastic. That is Thank awesome. You. Thank like to you. me, it's just mind boggling to, to, to put those two together because I mean, clearly it's uh, like you, whether it's government funding or otherwise, I mean, you have to be perceived as a, a viable <laughs> business that's actually turning this. And, and I think it's just a beautiful thing that you are one of the few women that I know who has encapsulated that. And I know a lot of amazing, powerful women who do awesome things in the engineering world, in the avionics world in like all sorts of places but none of them have brought in this whole um the whole sexual side of of burlesque in particular and <laughs> said you know here's my body i'm naked how do you like me now yeah. and yeah. and i run a viable awesome business i i think that's fantastic amazing i think it's a huge um break apart for for everyone i mean like you take madonna i mean we all knew that she had her sexual side of her and that she's a smart businesswoman but she's smart businesswoman in a world where it's okay to be naked whereas yeah. you have taken it where it's okay to be naked in a world where it's totally has not been okay to be naked <laughs> like that's the yeah. impressive part to me is that everybody thinks there's all these confining spaces on you that you have to be a certain way at a certain time and you've just gone yeah. fuck it no i don't I am a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a sinner, I'm a saint, I'm, I'm a bitch, like, deal with it, like, and I'm living it, and I, I just applaud you, I think it's awesome, couldn't wait to have you on the show, I'm super excited about it, and can't Yay. wait to share you with the world, because, like, you're doing awesome stuff, uh, like, tell, tell us a bit about your business and how it runs, because that also is a forerunner in 
awesomeness and breaking apart the rules of engagement in business and what we think it has to be. Bless you. Well, it is quite special. So um, what we do, what we actually do is relatively boring because it's not fascinating to be kind of writing grant applications. On, although we, our clients are fascinating. Some of them are. Kind of <laughs> it really place. is. If you can make money out of nothing, that is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So our clients, our clients' businesses are much more interesting than our business in terms of our business model. But how we do it, how we do what we do is actually quite interesting. So we have a unique culture where transparency is an important value. So that has far reaching consequences. Our financials are transparent and our accounts are accessible to anyone within the business. And uh, people set their own salaries in my business, which is again, quite unusual and many of my peers are like what how in the hell is that even possible so yes it is possible uh, it is possible to have that degree of trust in people and to give them give them that degree of empowerment to actually be responsible for not just for budgets within the business but for researching what is fair in terms of their own remuneration on the job market and proposing that to the company. Well, and I find it fascinating, one, that you're even transparent at all, because I mean, I've heard heard that this, this is the new way we're doing business. When Google decided, hey, this is the new way we're doing business. We're bringing ping pong tables into the boardroom and you guys get to play all day yeah. and do whatever you want. And I'm looking at it like, okay, millennials are fucked. <laughs> I don't <laughs> get that. I go to work to go to work and like, I at the end of the day, I'll go and play ping pong. I'm totally cool with that and drink beer with the guys. That's my life. But I was an 80s child. So I kind of grew up in that realm. And when I don't get why you would want to be transparent in your finances, unless you're a not-for-profit or a, you know, a public company, obviously they have to. And I've seen a lot of um, kind of bootstrapped companies that will do it as well because they're just going, hey, we don't have the money to pay you. Here's our, <laughs> open the kimono, here's our, our finances so that you can yeah. see why we can't pay you. But it was always in a justification mode. So what made you decide that transparency was the way to go when you were financially sound and not public? Yeah, so at the beginning, when we first started employing people, we employed an admin person who obviously had access to the accounts and then we employed two other people and we thought, well, why don't they have access to the accounts as well? I mean, might as well. And then it kind of grew from there before we even realized that transparency has far reaching cultural consequences as in, people uh, there's just so much less politics and water cooler conversations and it so even before it became kind of a value that we stood by it just kind of happened organically to be honest with you and well we did get inspired by um, people like Ricardo Semler a guy who wrote a book called Maverick he is a Brazilian entrepreneur and he had a company in the manufacturing industry uh, in Brazil in the 80s and which employed thousands of people and he implemented transparent financials and self-set pay and we just thought okay if somebody can do it in a massive company then we can probably do it in a 
UK startup. That is awesome. And it totally makes sense to me now, seeing it from the other side of the fence is, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of knitter shit that I call it that goes on in companies going, well, how much they make, how much did you find out they, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, the back in the day when somebody saw the wrong facts, <laughs> it was like, did you see what everybody's getting paid? That yeah, came out yeah, on the wrong yeah. fax machine, right? And everybody's just a tither because now they know what everybody else is making. I mean, that's all gone. You don't have any of that crap. And it's like, well, yeah, you want to make as much as them. Go work for it. <laughs> do what you got to do. Yeah, and yeah but also you can see people's justifications. So it's um, also public and you can check, you know, when somebody has reviewed their salary last and why why they chose the salary that they chose and what they're back, backed it up with. So because people also have to do regular self-assessment in my company, there's quite a lot that goes into actually um, into the entire process. It's not a decision off the bat that you make one day and the next day you're being paid five times more. It doesn't work like that. You have to review your performance against the goals that you set for yourself. Somebody else from your peer group actually uh, reviews that as well to make sure that you're not completely off the mark. And then there is a, there's a process for it that is empowering, but it's also quite a lot of responsibility. People actually have said to me, you know what, now I appreciate that it might have been easier if we were just told what we're getting paid. And, <laughs> and I said, well, it might be, but how much are we learning? Because we this is what we do and this is how we do things, how much... Um, in terms of life skills we're learning because we have to make those proposals and do those reviews ourselves. Well, which brings up a plethora of questions unto itself to me, but mm -hmm. you actually have a really cool process of, it's a peer-based analysis of how much they're getting paid. It's not management. So it's not like they go in front of a panel of management and go, okay, here's no. what I think I'm doing. So how does that actually work? Is it people that they're working beside, people that they're a teammate of? Like, how do you so actually nobody, structure that? So the very person that's making, that's reviewing their salary decides, makes the final decision. So they seek feedback from a number of people, but they are responsible for the decision they make and the consequences of this decision. So if they choose to pay themselves too much, they're going to have, a number of conflicts with, within the business. So it's very important to kind of be realistic um, in your assessment. Um, so it's nobody else's responsibility but yours to review your, your salary and to having sought feedback from different parts of the business to actually come to a conclusion. And how do you budget for that as a business okay, owner? Okay, so that's, that's a good question. So. Uh, when you're making a decision to do with your salary, you also need to be in touch with the budget holder within your department to make sure that there is budget for it. Very cool. And have you noticed that there's like job equality much more so within your firm or do you hire all guys that, anyways? Or <laughs> like, how's yeah, that all yeah. work? So um, actually on average, women earn more than men in my company, just because we have quite a number of women in senior positions. But I would say it raises the pay gap out of existence because if everything is transparent, it autocorrects and there's just no room for inequality anymore. That is awesome. I, that alone 
makes me think that everybody should be looking at how do they adopt that as part of their, their business plan. It's mm, thank you. I, I just can't imagine how much different the culture in that kind of company would be than a company that's traditionally the, you know, nobody knows what anybody else is making and, and management decides who they like and who they don't. And they're just yeah. going to get pay them more because they like them. And then, yeah. you know, management changes. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, so-and-so got, can because they were making exactly. too much. Like, exactly. There's just so, so much not, politics <laughs> that would get. Yeah, ready. absolutely. And the deals that happen under the under the table, and uh, uh, it's just it's it's a disaster how payrolls are being run in kind of traditional hierarchical companies. It's just uh, yeah, it has to change. And there was a number of scandals actually, and a big press debate in the UK a couple of years ago or so about gender pay gap and about the pay difference in lowest paid employees to highest paid employees of corporate companies. And there was just a lot of noise about it in the press because just a number of horrific inequalities were exposed. Um, so I do think that, and I do hope that that's something pay transparency that more and more companies choose to adopt adopt and in terms of uh, self-set pay well it's another step uh, that not every company is prepared to make and that that's not right for everyone but I would hope that more and more companies consider it as part of their strategy to really empower people well I, to me it just makes sense I mean one as an entrepreneur I'm in control of how much money I make. And I know that. And that was a decision I made long ago to say, I'm, I'm not going to be under anybody's thumb. I'm going to decide how much I make. And uh, started in sales. And at 100% commission, you decide how much you're going to make. It's like, that's just yeah. the way it is. And it's a fascinating to me that that's being, that you found a way to be able to incorporate that into an employee um, positioning because I'm assuming you've also taken away the employee mindset of I'm just doing my job. And at the end of the day, no, sorry, five o'clock, got to go or five minutes to five, <laughs> got to go. Like I'm done here. You can't make me stay. Like I would think that that whole decision has impacted a whole lot more of your culture than you might even realize because you're just used to it now. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really have managers. Um, we don't really have bosses in my company. People self-manage. We have hierarchy, but that hierarchy is within, is project-based. So it's not people-based. So there's hierarchy of work, not hierarchy of people, which means that I can be um, senior within project A, but really junior within project B. And um, we have... So the system we operate is called holacracy, and that's different to hierarchy in that the, the structure is um, relatively flat. There is some hierarchy within departments or so-called circles, but nobody has power over anybody else. Which is awesome. So how do you deal with seniority? Like if somebody's got 20 years experience, clearly in my mind, <laughs> that, that they have a little more seniority than somebody that's a newbie. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that they 
they they just get given more responsibility and maybe there is more uncertainty in their work the day-to-day -day work um so somebody who is more junior junior has um less responsibility and there's their work is more defined and more, more from a to b whereas if you're more senior you're more of a generalist and you deal with the highest degree of higher degree degree of uncertainty but that doesn't have to mean that you have to have power over other people if you're senior it doesn't work that way i mean you can be senior within the project and then you can make suggestions to other people as to what they should they should prioritize but you can't physically make them do it because nobody has power over anybody else i i'm loving it and i'm fascinated by it i want to study it <laughs> so have you yeah. written about this whole Concept. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, good question. I have a book coming out, which is called Laid Bare, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper. And it's kind of an expansion uh, of my TEDx talk that I mentioned earlier. So uh, I talk about my burlesque self. Every chapter starts with a little anecdote from the burlesque world. And then I talk about company culture, I talk about leadership, I talk, talk about masculine and feminine forces within ourselves and how to kind of manage them and be a wholesome leader. And yeah, and there's quite a lot of burlesque, burlesque content and some spicy photos in it as well. Nice. Oh, picture books are always good, especially in business books. <laughs> that alone, I think, is a concept that we're going <laughs> yeah. to have to play with. That is fantastic. So like is that your the big project that you're working on right now to get this concept out or are you doing other things that are kind of you're going hey public needs to know about this and what i do sure so the the book and kind of the whole campaign around the book is definitely something that's um on the cards for me now but i also do a little bit of startup investing so that's always something i wanted to do i wanted to be an angel investor my wealth isn't huge as yet, <laughs> but it's it's sufficient to allow me to invest small amounts of money in startups. I'm a massive believer in human potential. And what this means is that, yeah, I just believe that we could solve all, all sorts of crises that we're dealing with uh, at the moment um, if we only were able to put the right brains together. So if, if I believe in that, I have to put my, my money where my mouth is. So I love investing in innovative technological startups. Nice. And do you only invest in UK companies or are you planetary? At the moment, yes, because we've got pretty good tax advantages in the UK for people investing in early stage companies. But I, yeah, I have been tempted to invest outside of the UK. So I think it's going to be just a matter of time. Nice. I, I became fascinated with um, philanthropic business development, if you want to put it that way. Um, it was a concept that I had never heard of is like in the past when I when I thought about philanthropy, it was you're donating money. You just here have some money yeah. with a weight wheel. But to me, the fascination is here's some money to build a business <laughs> to teach them how to fish, but give them the money to buy the fishing rod and the mindset to be able to go out and sell fish and then to come back and go like how do you actually create a, a business opportunity where none may have existed or you couldn't see any the individual couldn't see any in the past and to be able to bring these business concepts 
to people because I not only believe that it creates economic growth, I believe that entrepreneurs are the salvation of mankind because they think differently, because they know that they're responsible for their own actions, because they have to take responsibility for the effects that they have in the world, I believe. Um, yeah. That it allows us to kind of create something more rather than just, oh, here's a donation. That they that believe I they can actually affect change. Uh, they can actually change entire industries and how industries operate and they can solve particular problems. So yeah, so we need that degree of empowerment, I think much wider spread. And uh, yeah, the kind of technological innovations that I'm seeing, um, the kind of grants that we're writing for companies that are deal with, I don't know, cancer, early cancer diagnostics or uh, some fascinating like green technology innovations, it just really makes me believe in human potential and in how much we can achieve if we're in our zone of genius and if we're really, as you say, taking responsibility for doing our part. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? How would they get by the book? How do they how did they get oh, more of you? Question. How do they see your show? <laughs> Anything. So uh, perhaps we can include something in the show notes. My both my Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse handle is at Paulina Tenner. That's T-E-N-N-E-R. Um, and I've got a, obviously a waiting list for the book, which we, we can include the link to in show notes. Um, and yeah, I'm just always open to talking to, to interesting people. It's one of the joys of my life to, that's why I work in the industry I work in because there's so many fascinating people with fascinating brains and some of them are sharp and sizzling. And that's what I like to be too, sharp <laughs> and sizzling hot. <laughs> nice. I love that. Because why not have both? <laughs> absolutely. We will absolutely have, uh... All of your contact information, your uh, TEDx talk, uh, the link to that, so you can go and check out Pauline in all sorts of ways. Uh, are you pre-selling the book, or are you just waitlisting? At the moment, waitlisting, but there will be pre-sales available maybe two months before the actual publication date, which is in July. Nice, I love that. Love it, love it, love it. So let me ask you this, because I got to ask everybody is, at what point did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Ah, uh, I, so when I came to the UK, which was 2006, I was actually born in Poland. I was studying here and I was spending quite a lot of my time going to like boozy meetups with like bearded geeks drinking pints of beer and eating pizza. And I was just like, oh my God, these people have that kind of chutzpah to really believe they can change something for the better. And I just really got hooked and I was like, I want to be one of them. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, so it was then in my kind of early career that I realized oh quite a few kind of character traits and personality traits I have are actually quite entrepreneurial I didn't see them as such I always thought I would just end up working somewhere for somebody but now when I look back I realized that even you know high school and earlier I was probably predisposed to be an entrepreneur because 
of how I acted and how I got shit done and effective change. But I think everybody is to a degree. Everybody can be an entrepreneur. I really believe that. Some people choose not to, and that's absolutely fine, but everybody can access those qualities within themselves to be able to birth something from nothing. Nice. I love that. Well, and I always thought, uh, looking back in my life, I thought of myself as a shit disturber. And then I realized, no, that's just an entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit. <laughs> it's all good. So when I come across little kids that are shit disturbers, I'm like, I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> do, yeah, it. do it. Yeah. Piss people shit off. Go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. And, you know, if, you're, if you're a good entrepreneur, you're always going to piss people off. That's what they say. And I think that couldn't be more true because by creating something, you're shitting in somebody else's terrain. Usually, you know, I don't know, for example, clean tech innovation, you're going to, you know, piss off people who have vested interest in things going the old way. And um, so, yeah, I appreciate people who can, yeah. And I'm pretty sure the person that invented sliced bread pissed off everybody else that didn't have a bread slicer. So it's like, you just, you know, you're going to do it. And I think the younger we can get a hold of people and go, you know what, that thing that you're doing that you think is a bad thing, you you embrace that, baby. You just, you take that on. Totally. Nice. I love it. Love it. Love having you and would love to have you again. And we'll dig deeper into your business and all sorts of fun and wonderful things. Love it. That's it, baby. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah. We got to get another book out of you. And I think it's, I think you're like, I don't know if there's a huge industry around that whole concept uh, that you have in business, but I think there needs to be and uh, would love to see you spearhead that. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Cool. Yeah. Any last words for our peeps? Uh, you know, if the best way to deal with a midlife crisis is to show your naked ass to a large audience. Nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. 50 year olds all over the planet are going to become strippers. Awesome. Yeah, or even 30 years old. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, Whenever you're having a midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which can be early or late or, or however you choose to have it. <laughs> Love it. Well, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great, great guest on the show, or if you have any questions or topics that you'd like me to discuss, contact me at michelle at thelittlebluepillforbusiness.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.